Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The podcast is about to begin. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 72 of the Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. I am your host, Tina Romero Jr., a.k.a. The Graveyard Grumbler. Today's episode is another cold case file. We are, we're just going to jump right into the episode. It's going to be a long episode, so I just want to hurry up and knock it out. Oh, before I start, listener discretion is advised. It does have to do with some graphic content. I mean, yes, I know I've done it before, but you'll understand why it's going that way now. So just listener discretion is advised. Today's episode 72, we are going to be doing it on a famous cold case file by the name of an or a victim by the name of John Benet Ramsey. Yes, I know what you guys are thinking. I, I understand that John Benet Ramsey, Tino, has been this this fight, this case has been beat to death. The horses are are no longer around. It's pretty much glue. I, I understand that, but to be honest, I've never followed the news growing up. I I, I didn't I actually I actually didn't even start listening to the the news or reading the news until just recently, like within the last, uh, I'll say like five years, maybe give or take. And that that's just because I have access to the news right here in front of me. So it, it's it's one of those deals where if I don't see it in front of me, I'm not going to do it. And I don't watch the news because I hate to hear news announcers and I hate to hear the newscasters, I, the, the news anchors. A lot of them actually just aggravate the fuck out of me. Jeez, one of the biggest ones that I just want to punch right in their goddamn face is Tucker Carlson. God damn, that guy can just get under my fucking skin. I just want to hit him right in his neck. But anyway, episode 72, John Benet Ramsey. This is a new case to me. I don't know. I didn't even know the details and I didn't even know the controversy around this case. And I didn't know how. Uh, let's just let's just get into it. So who for those of you who don't know, who was John Benet Ramsey? John Benet Ramsey was born August 6, 1990, in Atlanta, Georgia, the younger of two children of Patricia Patsy Ramsey, who was born, who was actually, the, her life was 1956 to 2006, and John Benet Ramsey, who was born in 1943, and he is still alive. She had an older brother named Burke, who was born in 90, 1987, and who is also still alive. John Benet's first name combines her father's first and middle names, and her mother's first name was used as her middle name. She was enrolled in kindergarten at High Peaks Elementary School in Boulder, Colorado. So nothing to there. I mean, we, we, don't, we don't, I mean, nothing to there. Nothing too suspicious there. We have just a regular kid who was born in a regular uh, state with some, some decent parents. So, so we, you know, that we know so far, right? Right. John Ramsey was a businessman who was the president of Access Graphics, a computer software company that later became a subsidiary of Lockheed Martin. His first marriage ended in divorce in 1978. John's two surviving adult children, a son and a daughter, lived elsewhere. In 1991, John had moved with his second wife and family to Boulder, where Access Graphics headquarters was located. And again, it's not too much different. I mean, there's just some couples that they just can't get along. So, you know, it's not, most of the time it's not even for the children. It's usually for, for themselves just so they won't lose their mind and end up becoming this horrible person if they're not already a horrible person. <laughs> if they're not already a horrible person, sometimes it's just best for them to, best for people to divorce. There's nothing wrong with that. Patsy, Patsy Ramsey entered JonBenet in various child beauty pageants in Boulder where she won titles of America's Royale Miss, Little Miss Charlevoix, Little Miss Colorado, Colorado State All-Star Kids Cover Girl, and National Tiny Miss Beauty. 
JonBenet's active role in her in her child beauty pageants and Patsy's reported quote pageant mother behavior were reported by the media after the murder. In the summer of 1997, approximately since six months after JonBenet's death, the Ramseys moved to new to a new home in Atlanta after a summer at their vacation retreat in Charlevoix, Michigan. Patsy died of ovarian cancer at age 49 in 2006. She was entered. She was entered. That's I N T E R R E D next to her daughter. You know, I, I have a problem with with young kids being put into into beauty pageants. I honestly don't think beauty pageants should be something available for anyone under the age of eighteen. the The flat out standard for a beauty pageant is saying, "Yo, is this kid?" pretty enough and acceptable enough to win and is better looking than, than all the rest of the kids of their age in their, in their set group. Yeah. I, you know, I, I have a huge, I mean, that's just developing self-esteem issues at an early age. If I don't win, that means I'm not beautiful enough. That's, that's the number one bottom line of this whole deal. If I don't win this beauty contest, that just shows that I'm not, I'm not good enough or I don't look good enough to win anything. So therefore I'm ugly. Can you imagine? I mean, just think about the self-esteem issues that this shit, that this shit, uh, causes. And, and then the, the, some of the parents is God damn, especially the parents. And that's, that goes for, that goes for all around sports, not even just beauty pageants. You know, I mean, have you, I don't know, I guess there was a show a while ago where, where pageant moms or some shit like that. And the moms were absolutely out of their mind. They, Oh my gosh, the way that they treated their kids and, and the expectations they had, it, it, it was just, I mean, it was borderline abusive, if not abusive, period. I mean, there was some, there was some uh, verbal abuse going on. There's some crazy shit. I haven't watched the show. I, I would never give a show of that, of that uh, type, any sort of, of attention, but I have seen clips of it on YouTube and other places where, where uh, buddies of mine have sent me clips like, damn, look at this crazy ass lady. It's insane. So just me personally on, on that note, I think that beauty pageants with people under the age of 18, actually under the age of 21, to be honest with you, should just be canceled out. I mean, why, why should we just say, hey, who is, the, who is the prettiest child in our state? That just doesn't make any sense to me, period. No. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just gearing and, and uh, forcing you over towards, towards self-esteem issues throughout your, throughout your life. So... We all know that that Jomadine Ramsey was murdered. I mean, we 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 know that, but what were the details? You know, a, there was a ransom note that was actually found, according to statements that Patsy gave to authorities authorities on December 26, nineteen ninety six. She realized that her daughter was missing after she found a two and a half page handwritten ransom note on the kitchen staircase at the Ramsey family Boulder's residence. The note demanded one hundred eighteen thousand dollars. God damn, one hundred eighteen thousand. John pointed out to police first on the scene that the amount was nearly identical to his Christmas bonus of the previous year, which suggested that someone who would have access to that information would be involved in the crime. Okay, now for me, that just sounds suspicious already. Why? I mean, $118,000? Okay, well, for see okay 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 here here's 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 my brain working already i mean my brain doesn't work usually but whenever i do the episodes i i try to make it work a little bit extra the the amount that was found was ironically the exact same amount that was given to this guy to john for his christmas bonus last year now 
the only people that would actually have information to his bonus would be whoever his boss is and HR and the payroll department who would actually sign and distribute this check for this individual, for this guy. No other worms below him would ever come have uh, information of the, to to how much he was it, it was actually made or how much he he was given. There's no way, shape, or form. So in my mind, already that's already a setup showing that yo, why one hundred eighteen thousand dollars? If they knew this guy was rich, if I mean, there's a lot. Of, if you you see you just see someone's home and you assume that someone's rich. You would be, I mean, I, I, at least I would, I would be asking for a lot more money than $118,000. That's just, a, that's just a random ass amount to ask for. I would ask somewhere like, now here we go, $1 million in my Dr. Evil voice. Yes, my pinky is up on my mouth right now. <laughs> I, I just don't see how $118,000 would be uh, something... I mean that's that's just too dead on. Not a hundred thousand, not hundred fifty thousand, not one hundred sixty, not two hundred thousand. One hundred eighteen thousand on the nose, which ironically happened to be the same exact amount he was given for a bonus last year. Uh, that's just it. Just seems a little. I don't know. It just just doesn't sit right with me. Invest, investigators looked at several theories behind the dollar amount demanded, considering employees at Access Graphics who may have known of the amount of John's prior bonus. They also considered the possibility that the ransom demand was a reference to Psalms 118 and spoke to religious sources to determine possible relevance. Eh, Psalms 118, I don't, eh, that, that's kind of far-fetched. I don't see any other religious, I mean... If you want to get into religious stuff, I mean, we'd have to jump back into into real crazy uh, serial killers of the past, and that's this 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 episode is already going to be long enough, so we're not going to jump into that. <laughs> the ransom note was unusually long. The Federal Bureau of Invest- Investigation told police that it was very unusual for such a note to be written at the crime scene. The police believe that the note was staged because it did not have any fingerprints except for patsies and authorities who had handled it, and because it included an unusual use of exclamation marks and initialisms. The note and a practice draft were written with a pen and notepad from the Ramsey's home. Wait the fuck a minute. Hold on. So whoever wrote this thing wrote a rough draft before? <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to laugh. Okay, hold on. I don't mean to laugh. However, the practice, the note and a practice draft were written with a pen and notepad from Ramsey's homes. They wrote a rough draft before they actually sent out the note, (laughs) before they left the final copy. (laughs) Although that is suspicious, though, if you think about it. Why would, I mean, the the only fingerprints that were found on it were Patsy's, which is the moms, and the authorities who, who were involved with the case or who were on the scene. I mean, yeah, we can say that maybe the person who murdered John Bonet, maybe they were wearing gloves. You know, maybe isotoners. I don't know. It, you, you, you. There's not enough information going on right now where we can accurately pinpoint what is going on with with the ransom note. I mean, but who would use my? For someone to have that much time to write a note, a draft, and then leave the original copy, or not the original copy, but 
leave the final draft, that's a lot. That's a lot of time. I mean, when someone murders someone, if they know that they're that other people are in the house, you want to get in and get out as soon as you can, regardless of what you're doing. You don't want to spend a lot of times because that just risks or that chances you getting caught even more. Like it, it increases your possibilities of getting caught. That's that's just kind of bizarre to me. According to a Colorado Bureau investigation report, there are, quote, there are indications that the author of the ransom note is Patricia Ramsey, end end quote. However, the evidence fell short of a definitive conclusion. Michael Baden, a board-certified forensic pathologist who had consulted, consulted with both sides of the case, said he had never seen a note like it in his 60-year experience and that he did not think it was written by an outside stranger. Oh, damn. A federal court ruled it highly unlikely that Patsy wrote the note, citing six certified handwriting experts. The court bemoaned the existence of self-proclaimed experts without credentials. Hold on, hold on. The court bemoaned the existence of self-proclaimed experts without credentials, trying to wrangle their way into the case by accusing Patsy without scientific basis. Oh. So you have one person accusing Patsy, or not one, but you have one side accusing Patsy, the who is the mom, that she actually wrote the ransom note. But then you have board-certified professionals saying, yo, she did not write this note. All of you other posers are just trying to jump in on this case so you can get some notoriety. Again, I told you this this John Bonet case is real tricky. I didn't I, I didn't know the enigma that is involved or that is the John Bonet Ramsey case. I, I did not know everything that was going on. And that is why I'm doing the episode. Who do you think wrote the note? Yes, I know. Graveyard, you, you, you haven't you haven't given me much, much information, Graveyard. Let, let's uh, let's go ahead and keep on kicking it one time. So Michael Baden, a board-certified forensic pathologist who wasn't, wasn't one side or the other, he consulted with both sides of the case, said that he has never seen a note written like this in his 60-year experience and that he feels in his professional opinion that it was not written by an outside stranger. So that is pointing fingers at Patsy. What do you think? I don't, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of fishy right now. I'm in the ocean and it's smelling like fish because it's kind of fishy in this motherfucker right now. The only people known to be in the house on the night of John Bonet's death were her immediate family, Patsy and John Ramsey, and their son Burke. The ransom note contains specific instructions against con- contacting police and friends, but Patsy telephoned the police at 5:52 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. She also called family and friends. So if a ransom note specifically tells you not to do something because you're worried that your child is going to be dead, wouldn't you do every single thing that that note specifically tells you not to do? Me personally, I would, I mean, I'm not very good at following directions. That's why I became a truck driver. That way, I mean, it's not, you don't need to follow direct directions for the job that I do. I mean, for other, for other companies, I'm not speaking for other companies. Don't let me get, you know, don't, don't, don't let me take that away from you. But for my company and the job that I do specifically, this is literally my job that I have to do that. I have no specific instructions because I have a hard time following instructions. My order comes on my, on my phone. I look at it, find my trailer, strap it down, go deliver it to the, to my customer, untarp it and then come back. (laughs) But 
for, I mean, why, why would Patsy hop on the phone? I mean, I understand calling the police. I mean, that's one of the most panic things that anybody would do. I would do it maybe depending on, no, I, I still call the cops. I mean, I need, I need, I need some help right now. I need, I need, I need some professional, I need some professional assistance with the shit right now, but why would you call all the homies? I mean, why would you call the friends and everybody else and, and tell them, yo, this is what's happening. My daughter's missing. Come over. What the, the fuck is shit? That doesn't make any sense to me right now. Two police officers responded to the 911 call and arrived at the Ramsey's house within three minutes. They conducted a, curts, a curse, cursory search of the house, but did not find any sign of forced entry. So there was two police officers that responded within that responded within three minutes of the 911 call. So they were in the area. When they showed up, they conducted a search of the house, but did not find any signs of forced entry. So what that, what that rings out to me is that one of two things. One, there was easy access to the home where a, a door might have been unlocked, a window might have been, been open or left unlocked, and they were able to slide in and out, you know, refusing or eliminating any signs of forced entry. Now, unwanted entry and forced entry are two different things, of course. I mean, most of you people are like, yeah, but he forced himself in there. No, 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 no. If there are unlocked doors or windows, that was not forced entry. Forced entry is when you have to break something open in order to get in to gain access to the house. However, in this case, there was no signs of forced entry. That means that there was a door unlocked, like I said, and windows open, or both. Or, or my second theory, or my second thing would be that the suspect was inside the house already, waiting for the perfect moment to strike now what do you think might have happened now do you believe that maybe someone was already inside the house okay has it have anyone watched the, the first movie saw yeah I, I understand that movie is a real gory movie and there's a lot of a lot of crazy ass parts in there but do you remember when the the custodian was hiding inside the little girl's room and the little girl kept telling the dad, there's somebody in my room, there's somebody in my room, and the dad would just look under the bed and give some half-ass investigation and, and some bullshit reason why there was nobody inside the room. So maybe the suspect was inside of the house already waiting to attack. And once, once he did the attack, all he did was walk out the room afterwards, rather, again, unlock the door or jump out the window. There's, there's not really, I mean, what other option is there? There's no forced entry. All right. I don't know. Officer Rick French went to the basement and came to a door that was secured by a wooden latch. He paused for a moment in front of the door, but walked away without opening it. French later explained that he was looking for an exit route used by the kidnapper, which the closed inside peg ruled out. John Bonet's body was later found behind the door. If you're an officer or if you're anyone from law enforcement responding to a missing child, wouldn't it be in everyone's interest, even as a police officer, to investigate every single closed door that is inside of that house? It doesn't matter if it's sealed, if it's, it doesn't matter how the door is closed. Wouldn't your first response be to investigate every single room or, or door that exists in that house. I mean, that's what, that's what I wouldn't do. But then, and then to be, to later find out that it was actually, 
that it was it was actually the body was in there. Oh my gosh, damn it! With John Bonet still missing, John made arrangements to pay the ransom. A forensics team was dispatched to the house. The team initially believed that the child had been kidnapped, and John Bonet's bedroom was the only room in the house that was cordoned off to prevent contamination of evidence. All right, that makes sense. No precautions were taken to prevent contamination of evidence in the rest of the house. Meanwhile, friend, meanwhile, friends, victim advocates, and the Ramsey family's minister arrived at the home to show support. Visitors picked up and cleaned surfaces in the kitchen, possibly destroying evidence. Boulder detective Linda Arndt arrived at about 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time with the goal of awaiting the kidnapper's instruction. But there was never an attempt by anyone to claim the money. Why in the hell, would, if you have an active crime scene, would you let friends and other people start cleaning up? I understand. I, I don't know if that's just an, a normal thing that that good friends do, but for some reason, whenever, whenever, I mean, especially in the Mexican culture, that whenever, whenever families get together, there's a group of people that just start cleaning up random shit. I guess it's to help calm their nerve, or maybe to help relieve stress or lessen the stress of the of the of the family that's going through it i i don't know the reason but it's fucking annoying <laughs> it's one of those things that, that you don't want but and you have an active crime scene you have an active case you have an active missing person that Every everything inside of that room needs to be preserved. It doesn't matter. Just sit down, don't move, and let the cops do their job. Maybe the 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 suspect ran his fingers all through there, coughed or did something, left some sort of fingerprint or evidence, and now the family just wiped it all up. It just seems suspicious to me right now. You know what I mean? It it, it just doesn't make any sense that all of these mistakes were were made in something where a child was missing. At 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, Detective Arndt asked John Ramsey and Fleet White, a family friend, to search the house to see if, quote, anything seemed amiss, end quote. They started their search in the basement. John opened the latch door, which Officer French had overlooked, and found his daughter's body in one of the room. John Benet's mouth was covered with duct tape. A nylon cord was found around her wrist and neck, and her torso was covered by a white blanket. John picked up the child's body and took it upstairs. When John Bonet was moved, the crime scene was further contaminated and critical forensic evidence was disturbed for the returning forensics team. It, again, it just seems suspicious to me that one of the first places the dad's look, that the dad went to go search was the exact room that his daughter's body was in. It just doesn't make sense to me. Maybe my hamsters are a little off right now. Maybe there's something going on where I, I just don't see the connection or am I just playing the, the blame game right off the bat? I, I just don't see how so many, especially for being the cops. Okay, I understand maybe the cops might not be involved or maybe they might be. Who knows exactly? However, whatever the reason happened, the cops neglected to search a, a room that had been uncertain but, but the dad is going to go ahead and do it and why would the dad pick up the body your, your kid is you're, you're you're in a crime scene you need to leave the i mean i know it's difficult and you want to take your child to safety it's one of those reaction things where you don't want to you you, you don't 
want to leave the child there. You want to still try to protect the child, at least for me personally. I don't know about anyone else, but but, but for me personally, that's one thing that I would do. I mean, I, I it would be real difficult for me not to move my child, but I know in the back of my head, it's one of those deals that you have to let be and let the cops do their professional job. It just, it just doesn't, uh, boy, I tell you. Each of the Ramseys provided, provided hand, handwriting. Oh, hold on. Each of the Ramseys provided handwriting, blood, and hair samples to the police. John and Patsy participated in a preliminary interview for more than two hours, and Burke was also interviewed within the first couple of weeks following John Bonet's death. So remember, Burke is the younger brother or the older brother of John Bonet. And when you have a case where there's a dead child, of course, you're going to interview every single person that is inside of the house. So how did she die? We, we, okay, we know that she was murdered, but how did she die? The autopsy revealed that John Bonet had been killed by strangulation and a skull fracture. The official cause of death was, was asphyxia by strangulation associated with craniocerebral trauma. There was no evidence of conventional rape, although sexual assault could not be ruled out. Although no semen was found, there was evidence that there had been a vaginal injury. At the time of the autopsy, the pathologist recorded that it appeared her vaginal area had been wiped with a cloth. Her death was ruled a homicide. Unless there was some weird, not some weird, but unless someone inside of that family had been hiding some deep, disturbing information about themselves, I... Uh, Okay, okay, hear, hear me out. I'm, 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 I'm going to reach out on a limb here, okay? I'm going to reach out on a limb. Now, don't, don't crucify me. Don't stone me to death. Could it be a possibility that the mom agreed to take money to let her child be used by a pedophile? If doors were, were left open or unlocked and... Windows were also left unlocked where there was no signs of forced entry, but the child still had vaginal trauma and her vaginal area had been wiped with a cloth. Could that be a goddamn possibility that her mother agreed or maybe the father as well? maybe use the child, let the child be used for her pedophilic desires. I mean, think about it. I mean, I don't, I know you don't want to think about it. I know you don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. But again, we're trying to solve this case here. So you have a, a multi-beauty pageant winner here whose main focus is to be beautiful and be an object of beauty. Okay. How many, okay. Now there was a statistic that I pulled up here a while ago was that, ah, oh, where the fuck did it go? But it said something like, like uh, pedophiles tune in to young kids' beauty pageants just as much, if not more, than non-pedophilic people. So pedophiles watch and pay attention and even attend beauty pageants so for the sole reason to get their, 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 their goddamn jollies off, off the kids. I hope that's not true. I hope I hope that that I'm just I'm just here spitballing shit that that has no ground. 
but that's a possibility. Everything's a possibility when it comes to murder. God damn, I don't, I don't, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Uh, a garrot, or garrot, G-A-R-R-O-T-E, that was made from a length of nylon cord and the broken handle of a paintbrush was tied around John Bonet's neck and had apparently been used to strangle her. Part of the bristles in, part of the bristles end of the, hold on, part of the bristle end of the paintbrush was found in a tub containing Patsy's art supplies, but the bottom third of it was never found despite extensive searching of the house by the police in the subsequent days. The autopsy revealed a vegetable or fruit material which may represent pineapple, which JonBenet had eaten a few hours before her death. Photographs of the home taken on the day when JonBenet's body was found show a bowl of pineapple on the kitchen table with a spoon in it. However, neither John nor Patsy said they remembered putting the bowl on the table or feeding pineapple to JonBenet. Police reported that they found JonBenet's nine-year-old brother, Burke Ramsey's fingerprints on the bowl. The Ramseys have always said that Burke slept through the entire night until he was awakened several hours after the police arrived. No, the brother didn't do it. So the, the brother got up and got some pineapple. I mean, there's kids that get up and get random food, especially... Wow, my God. See what I mean about this case? I, 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 I know that this case was a huge media frenzy, and I don't really like doing huge media frenzy cases. But when I started reading it one day... I just could not not do the episode. Do you think the brother couldn't have done it? No, there's no way that the little nine-year-old brother could have killed his sister. But, I mean, we have seen cases where children, where siblings have killed their, their siblings out of rage, out of hate, out of whatever it, it is that they have, contempt. There's something that, that's just not right where the kids end up killing their siblings. There's even kids who have killed their, their, their own parents. So that's just one of those deals where, where we can't understand what might happen. I mean, oh, my goodness. I, it, it's crazy. I, I, don't, I don't understand or see how. But, I mean, again, everyone's a suspect. Every, everyone is a suspect on, on, uh, on how and why they killed this individual. I mean, well, not the individual. We know that it's John Bonet Ramsey. In December 2003, forensic investigators extracted enough material from a mixed blood sample, sample found on, Jim, on John Bonet's underwear to establish a DNA profile. That DNA belonged to an unknown male person and excluded the DNA of each of the Ramseys. See what I mean? Now, are we going back to the theory that I just mentioned a little bit ago? Can, could, ha, could the mother and father... Maybe, oh, I don't want to think about it because it's, it's, it's sick. It's, it's really sick and, and, and really bad for me to, for, for that assumption. However, what, what other theory do you have? I mean, they found blood from someone else to establish a DNA profile that belonged to an unknown male person. Again, did the parents let people or get paid to let someone, a pedophile, abuse John Renee, John Benet Ramsey? I mean, that's my question. I, I don't understand. I mean, if, if, if that blood sample cleared every single person in the house, but the blood was still from someone else, what other, what other, what, what other reason could there be? Oh, 
my gosh. The DNA was submitted to F to the FBI's combined DNA index system, a database con- containing more than 1.6 million DNA profiles. But the sample did not match any profile on the database. In October 2016, a report said that new forensic analysis with more sensitive techniques revealed that the original DNA contained genetic markers from two individuals other than John Bonet. You know, I, what, what, I understand the theory and, and the concept of having a, a, a huge DNA bank. I, I understand that because for those of those people who commit, who, who would commit repeat crimes and other things like that, but the, the, the bad part is, the, the, the negative on that is that if someone hasn't committed a crime yet, how are you going to find or match a DNA? So if someone, has, if someone hasn't committed a previous crime to where their blood has been put into this data bank, you're not going to be able to match or find anything that, that, that's going to match the, the suspect for, for said crime. But, I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, was that there were six separate DNA samples belonging to unknown individuals that were found in the test. So there was two other, there's two more suspects that, that the blood came from. A. James Kolar, who was a lead investigator for the DA's, for the DA's office, said that there were additional traces of male DNA found on the cord and paintbrush that Boulder District Attorney Mary Lacey did not mention, and that there were six separate DNA samples belonging to unknown individuals that were found by the test. Again, I don't know where and how much corruption is involved with this, but I keep, it, this seems like a, 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 a constant trend or or reoccurring event where there's something that gets messed up during the investigation by by some sort of person in law enforcement or by the justice system again i'm not claiming corruption i'm not claiming that this was an inside job but it's just make it just blows my mind that these are professionals who are supposed to be doing this for that as a career but things are being left out or or just just messed up period it just doesn't make it, it just it just blows my mind that something like that is happening or has happened i should say why would the da's why would the the, the district attorney not mention that there were six separate dna samples belonging to unknown individuals wouldn't you want to put that even more that that would probably be one of the first things that that would that would be said again it, it, this this case this case boy i tell you this case Former FBI profiler Candace DeLong believes that the DNA having shown up identically in several different places on multiple surfaces belonging to the killer. Former Adams County, Colorado District Attorney Bob Grant, who has assisted the Boulder's DA office on the case for many years, also believes that the DNA evidence is significant, saying that any resolution of the case would have to explain how the DNA showed up on several pieces of John Bonet's clothing. Forensic pathologist Michael Baden said trace um, quote trace amounts of DNA can get on places and clothing from all different non-suspicious means. There is no forensic evidence to show that this is a stranger. What? There is no forensic evidence to show that this is a stranger murder. Come on, man. I understand that DNA can get on a lot of people in a lot of different ways. That that's I understand that 100%, but come on, man. What are you covering up? Come on, Michael Baden. 
Trace amounts of DNA can get on places and clothing from all different non-suspicious means. There is no forensic evidence to show that this is a stranger murder. Come on, man. This is... Again, I don't know what's being covered up. I don't know if they know exactly what's going on or were they just trying not to do their job very well. Why would they... Uh, maybe, maybe they didn't want to accuse anybody. So let's get into the investigation. Again, the investigation is key part in everything, right? To solve any kind of crime, investigation is number one thing. You, you need to be investigate. You need to investigate to solve the, the crime, right? Right. Experts, media commentators, and the Ramseys have identified potential suspects in the case. Boulder police initially focused almost exclusively upon John and Patsy, but by October 1997 had over 1,600 people in their index of persons of interest for the case. How in the hell are you going to have 1,600 people of interest in the, in the murder but not find anyone who actually did it? When I hear that, there's one thing that comes to my mind immediately. They fled the country. They fled the country or they are dead and no longer around. It, 1,600 people of interest, but you can't find one person? Oh, Jesus. Errors that were made in the initial investigations complicated the resolution of the investigation and applicable theory. Those errors, those errors included loss and contamination of evidence, lack of experienced and technical staff on the investigation, evidence shared with the Ramseys, and delayed informal interviews with the parents. You see, I mean, now, now you understand what I'm talking about when I'm talking about corruption? Is it that you just have... Maybe maybe crimes like this weren't committed during that time of, of this magnitude. But if a crime like that did happen, wouldn't you want to get professionals in on the case to help you out from surrounding people? I mean, Texas is right down underneath you. You couldn't just call the Texas Rangers who are infamous in handling big-ass cases like this. And no, I'm not just saying that because I live in Texas. Absolutely not. Texas Rangers are one of the most elite <laughs> of police uh, teams in the entire United States. Look it up. I'm, I'm not. I'm not just. Oh fuck! I just sounded like Alex Jones right now. My apologies. I didn't. I mean. I, okay. So do do. I mean, just just look up the research. Just look up uh, uh, Texas Rangers, not the team, but the the law enforcement agency, and they they are actually real real famous. They're 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 notorious for for handling big ass cases that local law enforcement just can't handle. But the initial investigation that complicated the resolution. And applicable theory. These included loss and contamination of evidence. How do you lose evidence? Remember, we took up we talked about this last time during one of the the cold case files where I think it was the Jennings eight, where one of the 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 cops or yeah, it was a cop who picked up the body and removed it from the actual site that the body was dumped and put it in a different area. Picked, used his good his good old pickup truck. I know it wasn't a Chevy Silverado because I mean that shit was a total loss. It wouldn't be able to go anywhere. So I'm pretty sure it was some it was whatever pickup he used, he picked up the body and took it to a different place, jacking up the the place where the body was initially buried or dumped. Now, here in this case, they lost evidence and contaminated the evidence. So that means that people were just walking in and out grabbing shit and the the remember the friends were cleaning up after them as well or cleaning up the house for some weird reason. However, that screwed up the entire thing. And then on top of that, you're going to have people who who don't who who they don't have experience on a case this 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 uh, vital, this important, this crucial of a case. And you're going to have inexperienced people. I know people need to have experience, but why not get somebody who who kind of you know has a little 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 more experience or or uh, 
familiarity with with big ass murder cases like this. Lou Smith was a detective who came out of retirement in early 1997 to assist the Boulder County District Attorney's Office with the case. In May 1998, he presented his findings to the Boulder Police with other staff members of the DA's office, concluding that the evidence pointed away from the Ramseys. They were unable to successfully challenge the police department's belief that the Ramseys were guilty. The DA's office sought to take control of the investigation. Due to the animosity between the police and the DA's office and the pressure to obtain a conviction, Colorado Governor Roy Romer interceded and named Michael Kane Kane as special prosecutor to initiate a grand jury. So this homeboy came out of retirement specifically to 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 help solve the crime, which is great. I mean, you always want to have somebody with more experience and help help investigate and help solve this crime, which is great. You know, the more people that have experience and knowledge on how to do certain things is great, right? Better. But how are you going to have animosity and have fight against the against the DA's office and who wait where's the animosity was that between the police and the DA's office aren't you supposed to work together in order to come to the to the number one conclusion which is let's find out who killed this kid I mean that's the main thing let's bring let's bring this goddamn murder to justice just in case he might want to do it again Let's stop him before it actually happens. But why would you fight with each other and making this and complicating this whole ordeal even more? Again, that doesn't make any sense to me. Do I smell corruption? I don't know. I don't want to say it's corrupt, but I don't want to say it's not. Boy, I tell you. Two of the lead investigators in the case had opposing views. Both Lou Smith and Steve Thomas ultimately resigned. Smith because he believed that the investigation had incompetently overlooked the intruder hypothesis. And Thomas because the DA's office had interfered with and failed to support the police investigation of the case. So now you have two two investigators who probably were making some decent headroom but quit and resigned because shit wasn't going and and helping them out, helping the cause in whatever for whatever reason, just all, maybe all because of a pissing contest. Someone wants to handle it this way, someone wants to handle it that way. Just shut up and deal with it, and just get it over with. And let's let's put the put our our egos aside and let's handle this shit. Let's get it taken care of. But no, let's go ahead and handle all this shit individually, and make everything more difficult and delay giving justice to this family. Not even to the family, justice to John Benny Ramsey. A grand jury was convened beginning September 15th, 1998, to consider indicting the <laughs> in 1998 to consider indicting the Ramseys for charges related to the case. In 1999, the grand jury returned a true bill to charge the Ramseys with placing the child at risk in a way that led to her death and with obstructing an investigation of murder. Okay, I don't understand how they were, maybe someone can help me out. If you understand or if you know how the, how the Ramseys put their child in danger for letting her stay in her own room or her own house, let me know, graveyardgrumbler at mail.com or graveyardgrumbler podcast on Instagram, graveyardgrumbler podcast on Podbean. I no longer have Facebook. I deactivated that shit, so you can't hit me up on Facebook. But I don't understand. That's like... I mean, I don't know if it's relatable. I don't know if it's the same thing, but I don't understand. So if, if my kid was, you know, was, you know, forbid 
something horrible happened and they were just in the room chilling, how would I be convicted for leaving them in harm if all they were doing inside of their house that should be protected in a safe place for them anyway? You know what I mean? I don't understand how, how the district attorney is going to try to try to prosecute them or a grand jury is going to try to prosecute them for, for letting their kid just be, in, be inside their house. I, I, don't, I don't understand how that, how that rolls. Based on the probable cause standard applied, based based on the probable cause standard applied in such grand jury proceedings. Oh, I'm sorry. That, that, that was part of the the, the 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 other one. My my notes were all messed up. So Ramsey was placing a child at risk based on the probable cause standard applied in such grand jury proceedings. Period. But Pol- but Boulder County District Attorney Alex Hunter did not prosecute him because he did not believe that he could meet the higher standard. A providing, approving guilty beyond a reasonable doubt that is required for a criminal conviction. That makes sense. How are you going to how are you going to have prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the Ramseys who left their child in their own home in their own room guilty or putting the child in danger? That doesn't make any sense to me. It just does, that's that's insane. For so, I guess that's the case of the the community. Maybe the community is saying we need answers and we need someone to be convicted immediately. So we need to point it to anyone and everyone. We need to shut this case now. I don't know. So here, when it comes to like the Zodiac or even the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, where people are dying randomly, people start panicking. And when you have panic, you don't want to cause more panic. So I guess to cl- maybe to close the case and, and bring, bring resolve or bring, bring calmness back into the community, you just want to convict the parents? I mean, convict anyone, basically? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Mary Lacey, the next Boulder County District District Attorney, took over the investigation from the police on December 26, 2002. In April 2003, she agreed with a federal judge who sat on a 2002 libel case that evidence in the suit is, quote, more consistent with a theory that an intruder murdered John Bonet than it was with a theory that Mrs. Ramsey did, end quote. On July 9, 2008, the Boulder District Attorney's Office announced that as a result of newly developed DNA sampling and testing t- techniques, the Ramsey family members were excluded as suspects in the case. Lacey publicly exonerated exonerated the Ramseys. Well, that's good. The Ramseys didn't do it because the blood evidence didn't show anything, but that doesn't mean anything. Maybe they were behind the master scheme, like I mentioned earlier. I don't want to say that it was true, but it is a possibility. Some sick individual paid the Ramseys handsomely for them to do whatever they want to do with the daughter, which is sick. But again, there have been cases where parents have pimped out their children just for that reason. But he's a millionaire. Why would he do that? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. That's why I can't be a detective. I'd have to hit someone in the mouth. On February 2nd, 2009, Boulder Chief Mark Beckner announced that Stan Garnett, the new Boulder County District Attorney, was turning the case over to his agency and that his team would resume investigating it. Garnett found that the statute of limitations for the crimes identified in the 1999 grand jury true bill had expired and did not pursue review of the review of the case against the Ramseys. You know, the statute of limitations bill is a bullshit bill. I don't understand how if someone has committed a crime and then they're found to be guilty of committing that crime, nothing is going to be charged against them because a certain amount of time to prosecute the individual has passed already. 
that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand how that can be a deal. If someone has committed a crime and they're walking out and they're still guilty, let's convict the assholes. I don't care who it is. Old, young, middle-aged, white, black, Mexican, Asian. It doesn't matter to me. If they've committed the crime, it doesn't matter. It's been 50, 20, 30, 40, 70, 90, 100 years. If they're still alive and they are found guilty, let's arrest them. Let's bring justice, right? Right. That just makes sense to me. Uh, maybe I'm just nonsensical. <laughs> In October 2010, the Boulder police reopened the cold case. New interviews were conducted following a fresh inquiry by a, com by a committee that included state and federal investigators. Police were expected to use the latest DNA technology in their investigation. There was no new information gleaned from those interviews. It was reported in September 2016 that the investigation into John Bonet's death continues to be an active homicide case per Boulder Police Chief Greg Testa. So even in 2016, the case is still open. It is still a cold case file. That is the reason why I'm doing it today. I will get to a confession later on. However, there was nothing back in that confession. In 2015, Beckner disagreed with exonerating the Ramsey, stating, quote, exonerating anyone based on a small piece of evidence that has not yet been proved to even be connected to the crime is absurd, end quote. Oh, so Beckner's all, yo, I don't want to free the Ramseys. Maybe they did have something to do with it. That's what I'm saying, homie. Beckner, I think they did it. The maybe... You see, with the, the problem, and, and it goes on, and, and it just shows off with, with history, period. The more money you have, the better chances you have of getting away with a lot of shit. If you don't believe that, look at all the white-collar crimes where a lot of people have escaped due to their, their status, bottom line. I mean, celebrities. There's been celebrities who've done some ridiculous shit and served rehab. Oh, community service. Pay a fine. Do whatever that they, that they did because of their status. It, uh, boy, I tell you. He also stated that the unknown DNA from John Bonet's clothing, quote, has got to be the focus of the investigation, end quote. At this point in time and that, in, at this point in time and that until one can prove otherwise, quote, the suspect is the donator of that unknown DNA, end quote. In 2016, Gordon Coombs, a former investigator for the Boulder County District Attorney's Office, also questioned Total absolution of the Ramsey stating, quote, we all shed DNA all the time within our skin cells. It can be deposited anywhere at any time for various reasons, reasons that are benign. To clear someone just on the premises of touch DNA, especially when you have a situation where the crime scene wasn't secure at the beginning, really is a stretch, end quote. That's what I'm saying, man. So this this guy right here, Mr. Coombs, is saying, look, just because that there's there's DNA from touching doesn't mean that they should be cleared because it's a natural causing car occurring event. Absolutely not. Let's look more into it and find out why. Why? Just why? I mean, it really is a stretch. You can't, you can't, ex oh my gosh, until everything has been fully exhausted and then reopened and then exhausted again and then reopened and then exhausted again and investigated and exhausted again, you never lay to rest. I mean, it, it, I don't care. See, here for me, if I didn't commit the crime, even if it's against my own children, I don't care if I was bothered every day of my existence on the questioning and DNA samples and whatever it is that they want from me. 
I will be more than happy to do what I have to do in order to prove that I've never, uh, that I'm not, the, I'm not the suspect. But all of a sudden now these people are saying, yo, the Ramses couldn't have done it. There's no way. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Stephen E. Pitt, a forensic psychiatrist hired by Boulder Authority, said, quote, Lacey's public exoneration of the Ramseys was a big slap in the face to Chief Beckner and the core group of detectives who had been working on the case for years, end quote. I agree. 100% I agree. You can't, you can't publicly exonerate someone when, when it hasn't even been closed. The, the file, the case is still open. You can't say that, that someone's not the suspect when they're still considered a suspect. That just doesn't make any sense. That's what I'm saying. What, where's the corruption? Is there corruption in this? Is there not corruption in this? How and where and how, why is, is the, are these people, or are the Ramseys being excluded when honestly they should be one of the, one of the primary or suspects in the case? It would happen in their own home and there's no forced entry. You know what I mean? Again, what, what, did they allow this to happen to their children? Were they paid? Were they, were they threatened? Did something happen to where they allowed this to happen to their child? I just don't understand. So who killed her? We want to know who killed John Benet Ramsey. So does the entire world, right? Right. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's no one more, more interested in finding out who killed her than her parents. Well, her, her father, since her, her mother died of ovarian cancer, I believe. But unfortunately, we're not going to find out who killed her. There are two types of theories about the death of John Bonet. One is the family member theory. Boulder police initially concentrated almost exclusively upon the parents, John and Patsy Ramsey. According to Greg McCrary, a retired profiler with the FBI, quote, statistically is, it is a total, hold, whoa, what the fuck? Quote, statistically, it is a 12 to 1 probability that it's a family member or a, or a caregiver, end quote who was involved in the homicide of a child. Damn, 12 to 1? That's a huge odd. The police saw no evidence of a forced injury, but they did see evidence of, sta of staging of the scene, such as the ransom note. So they're still believing that, that someone in the family wrote the goddamn ransom note. I mean, it was a two-page rough draft final copy <laughs> ransom note asking for an exact amount that was given to the dad for a bonus. Again, nobody knows or would, nobody would know who the bonus we got unless he was out there big ball and bragging saying, I got money. Okay, girl. Okay. He got money. What? Nobody would understand that or nobody would know that unless he was bragging about it. But again, the only people that would know what the bonus, the bonus was given was either his partner, his boss and payroll. Those were the only people who would be, who would know how much this individual got. It's just kind of fishy. It's suspicious to me. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense that all of this was has been kind of thrown out the window. And then ah, the, the, the staging of the scene. That that's a that's 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 a bitch right there. They did not find the Ramsey's cooperative co they did not find the Ramsey's cooperative in helping them solve the death of their daughter. The Ramseys has said that their reluctance was due to the fear that there would not be a full inf investigation for intruders and that they would be hastily selected as the key suspects in the case, according to the Daily Camera. Yeah, you're going to be 100% viewed as as direct suspects. It, the the note was 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 proof read, but not read per, per, properly. There was also a rough draft in the final copy left at the scene. There was no signs of forced entry. But yet you're saying that you don't want to be held as suspect because you don't think that that's that's right, and then it would not 
why would you, why, uh, I, again, I would cooperate in every single way, shape, or form that is needed for me to cooperate to help find the bastard who did this to me, who did this to our kid. Jesus. One theory is that Patsy struck John Bonet in a fit of rage after a bedwetting episode and strangled her to cover up what happened. After mistakenly thinking she was already, excuse me, let me reread that over. One theory is that Patsy struck John Bonet in a fit of rage after a bedwetting episode and strangled her to cover up what had happened after mistakenly thinking she was already dead. That, that, okay, I can see how that happens. That's, but that's a possibility. That's not a stretch. However, Patsy did not have a known history of uncontrolled anger. John Bonet's brother later, later said, quote, We didn't get spanked, nothing of the store, sort, nothing close, nothing near laying a finger on us, let alone killing your child, end quote. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter if a child has never been spanked. It doesn't matter if there was no episodes of uncontrolled uh, anger. A lot of times when you have fits of rage like that, substance abuse is super high. And I haven't read anything of the parents being questioned or drug test or seen any sort of thing in their history of any kind of substance abuse. If someone has an issue like that, they self-medicate to keep themselves at bay. So... Because there's no history of it, that doesn't mean anything. That means that this person has done very well in controlling their anger. That doesn't mean that they don't have fits of rage. It, it, there's something when people snap. I mean, it's just, it's similar to when someone has a mental break. When someone when someone has their snap or or a breakdown of any sort, that means that their limit has been pressed. But that that their limit has been pushed. It might be a, an over strenuous day. Maybe there was some fighting between him, her, and his and and her husband. No one knows what causes the final snap for that last twig, for the last thread to break, the last twig, the straw that broke the camel's back. No one knows exactly what that aspect or that that situation was. So something like that could have set her over the edge, and she flipped out and killed her daughter, not intentionally but accidentally. Again. There's been people who's been hit in the mouth for just saying the wrong word because the person who, who just snapped just had the end of it. And there was just that incident, that individual who took the blunt force or the blunt rage or the, or the final rage and the outburst for the person who just couldn't take it anymore. So that you canceling that out, saying that there was no, there's no history of evidence. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that that's irrelevant. Honestly, theory edit, the, Theoretically, the strangulation could have been a, quote, red herring, end quote, aspect to conceal other elements of the assault and killing. Exactly. Look up red herring. It's pretty trippy. Burke, who was nine years old at the time of John Bonet's death, was interviewed by investigators at least three times. The first two interviews did not raise any concerns about him. A review by a child psychologist stated it appeared that the Ramseys had, quote, healthy, caring family relationships, end quote. In 1998, Boulder Police Chief Mark Beckner said during an interview with a news reporter that Burke Ramsey was not involved in the killing of his sister. In May 1999, the Boulder County District Attorney's Office reiterated that Burke Ramsey was not a suspect. The investigators had never considered him a suspect. Well, it's good that, that they didn't suspect the brother yeah, to kill his own, his own sister. Good. The Ramseys offered a $100,000 reward in a newspaper ad dated April 12, April 27, 1997. Three days later, more than four months after the body of their daughter was found, they submitted for, their fir- for the first time to separate, to separate 
formal interviews at the Boulder County Justice Center. Why is it allowed for them for, that they couldn't have uh, separate interv- uh, separate formal interviews with investigators at the at the time of the crime? Who, see, that that just means that just raises more suspicion to me. How is it? it yeah, I understand. You know, I want to be there to support my wife, and I will no matter what. However, when this is something so crazy and so involved, when when investigators want to interview separate people because rather have the the husband have influence over the wife or the wife have influence over the husband. No questions will ever be answered honestly and accurately when both couple, when both people are in the room for fear of, I mean, they might have control. They might have some sort of thing to where we need to keep our story straight, blah, blah, blah. Whatever the case is, you can't have an honest interview. That's why when, when you have both couples interview, interview, that's why when you go to couples therapy, the therapist usually wants to to have some uh, one or two sessions with each with, with the, the husband and the wife separately and not in the same room so they can open up and be more honest with the therapist. But three months or excuse me, four months after the body after the the body of their their daughter was found, they finally agreed to separate formal formal interviews for the, by the cops. Get the fuck out of here! If that doesn't raise raise any more suspicion. Then I, I don't know what will. They, if they ha, if they've only done done couple interviews during investigation, and all of a sudden four months later they want to do this, come on now that that just raises suspicion. That's something they're hiding, right? Right. In 1999, Colorado Governor Bill Owen spoke out, telling the Ramsey's couple to quote quit hiding behind their their attorneys, quit hiding behind their PR firm. End quote. I agree very much with Governor Bill Owens in 1999. Quit being a bitch and just come out and just do the interview and, and, and set yourself and clear your name. If, you're, if you didn't do anything, then you have nothing to hide, right? Right. So what, what, why are you so worried about it? Quit hiding behind your attorneys. Quit hiding behind their PR firm. Quit being little bitches and get that shit done. A Colorado grand jury voted in 1999 to indict the parents. Fuck yeah. The indictment cited, quote, two counts each of child abuse, end quote, and said the parents, quote, did unlawfully, knowingly, recklessly, and feloniously permit a child to be unreasonably placed in a situation that posed a threat of injury to the child's life or health, which resulted in the death of John Bonet Ramsey, a child under the age of 16, end quote. Okay, I don't agree with that 100%. Okay, so, again, how can you have knowingly and recklessly put your child in harm when they were just inside their house, unless they purposely put them in a room they're not usually in to let whoever the suspect is access to your child. Then I can understand that, but that hasn't been proven. That hasn't been shown where the, the, the parents intentionally put her in a room where she's not usually in and was completely insecure or unsecured. I, so I don't fully agree with that. I don't. I don't agree with with uh, someone being charged with their kid just existing in their room. It doesn't make any sense to me. But again, I'm not. I'm not law enforcement. Among the experts who testified in the case were DNA specialist Barry Sheck and forensic expert Henry Lee. On October 13, 1999, Alex Hunter, who was the district attorney at the time, refused to sign the indictment, saying that the evidence was inf- insufficient for prosecution. The public thought that the grand jury investigation had been inconclusive. In 2002, the statute of limitations on the grand jury's charges expired. Eh. You need to give them something harder on that. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with. Yeah, I mean, 
there's just not enough evidence, which is shitty. But I mean, if you don't have evidence, you can't you can't convict someone without evidence. That that's that, that's that's the whole point of our our justice system. The case of John Bonet Ramsey, a show broadcast on CBS on September 18th and 19th, 2016, used a group of experts to evaluate the evidence. The group theorized that Burke hit his sister in the head with a heavy object, possibly a flashlight, after she stole a piece of pa- a pineapple from his bowl, perhaps not intending to kill her. Oh, that is not good. But again, it's been proven that kids go into fits of rage and have killed their siblings and even their parents. That's not good. They suggested that the ransom letter was an attempt to cover up the circumstances of John Bonet's death. On behalf of Burke Ramsey, his counsel filed defamation lawsuits against CBS, the producers of the program, and several of his participants based on many of its claims. I understand that, but is it far-fetched? I mean, is that a thin theory? Is, is that something to, to kind of say that's not, that, that didn't happen absolutely close to being anything close to being happening? Or... Or are they trying to cover something up? Huh. Again, I don't want to believe in corruption, but corruption's there. You can't get over corruption. But what are they hiding? So, I mean, another thing that I never, I didn't find is how much money was dumped and and given to uh, to the to the justice system in Colorado by the Ramseys. You know what I mean? I mean, if, if the money's coming in, why would you want to get rid of the the, the cash cow? The second theory is the intruder theory. The police and the prosecutors followed leads for intruders partly due to the unidentified boot mark left in the basement, in the basement room where John Bonet's body was found. Early persons of interest included neighbor Bill Reynolds, who played Santa Claus, former family housekeeper Linda Hoffman Pooh, and a man named Michael Helgoth, who died in an apparent suicide shortly after John Bonet's death. Hundreds of DNA tests were performed to find a match to the DNA recovered during the autopsy. So we have a neighbor who played Santa Claus. We have a maid, our housekeeper, who maybe been jealous. And then we have a guy named Michael Helgoth who died in an apparent suicide shortly after John Bonet's death. I, let, I want to know more about Michael Helgoth. I couldn't find anything on Michael Helgoth. They kind of just left it in the wind. They just, just flapping in the wind where... You can still see it, but it was floating away slowly, like that stupid uh, bag and that stupid bag in uh, in uh, American Beauty, where where the plastic bag was just floating around. I want to know more about this guy. And I, I mean, but he's dead. So was it guilt? Was it to hide what he did, or was he just? depressed over over unrelated incidents and it was an eerie coincidence that he killed himself no one knows smith assessed the evidence and concluded that an intruder had committed the crime on the night john bonnet was killed there had been two windows that were left slightly open to allow for electrical cords for the outside christmas lights to pass through a broken basement window and one unlocked door smith's theory was that someone entered the ramsey's home through the broken basement window huh so, I mean, you live in Colorado in December. Why are you leaving any windows open to begin with? It's goddamn cold up there. I'm not leaving any windows open if I live in Colorado. Hell, I lived in Washington for five years, and I didn't leave a window open or the sliding glass door open in any part of fall or winter. It was too damn cold. 
But I mean, again, remember what we were talking about that there was no forced entry and it's suspicious. Huh. I mean, uh, again, I don't want to believe that they paid for that, but I don't want to, be- I don't want, I don't want to believe that they allowed someone to hurt their child. This has been criticized because there was an intact cobweb in the basement window. The steel grate that covered the window also had undisturbed cobwebs, and the foliage around the grate had been undisturbed. There were also cobwebs in the tracks of various windows, and dust and debris were on some seals. But the door was still unlocked and available and and ready to be opened and closed. I mean, you have an unlocked closed, you have an unlocked door. Someone's going to come in and out. Smith believed that the intruder subdued JonBenet using a stun gun and took her down to the basement. JonBenet was killed and a ransom note was left. Smith's theory was supported by former FBI agent John E. Douglas, who had been hired by the Ramsey's family. Believing that the Ramsey's were innocent, Smith resigned from the investigation on September 20, 1998, five days after the grand jury was convened against the Ramsey's. While no longer an official investigator on the case, Smith continued to work on it until his death in 2010. They might be guilty. They might not be. Who knows? But I believe they're guilty. You can, again, I, I don't think that they actually killed John Bonet themselves, but I believe they had some part in allowing someone, a pedophile, to use John, to use John Bonet Ramsey. That's the theory that I'm going with. That's the theory that I'm sticking with. It just seems too, there's too much pointed that way for it not to be. If I'm wrong, if I'm wrong 100% on this, please let me know. Graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast on Instagram, Graveyard Instagram, Graveyard Grumbly, <laughs> Graveyard Grumbler Podcast on Podbean. Stephen Singular, author of the book Presumed Guilty, an investigation into John Bonet's Ramsey case, the media and the culture of pornography in 2016 refers to consultations with cybercrime specialists who believe that John Bonet, due to her beauty pageant experience, could have attracted the attention of child pornographers and pedophiles. What did I just say? I just been saying that this the entire time, and now we're finally getting some evidence showing that it might actually be true. Yahtzee. It was determined that there had been more than 100 burglaries in the Ramsey's neighborhood in the months before John Bonet's murder. There were 38 registered sex offenders living within a two-mile radius of the Ramsey's home. In 2001, former Boulder County Prosecutor Tripp D. Month and Boulder County Sheriff Detective Steve Answorth stated that there should be a more aggressive investigation into the intruder theory. I 100% agree. More aggressive in, uh, investigation. It doesn't matter if there's 4,000 sex offenders living within a two-mile radius. The sex offender could have come from anywhere from around that around Colorado. I mean, there, the pedophiles have been known to drive several hundred miles just to try to get try to get with a, with an underage child. I mean, there's there's documents and 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 proof all over the internet. Yes, I know you can't read believe whatever thing the internet says, but there's a lot of times where you can because it's proof. I mean, that stupid show. Uh, what's that? <laughs> where that guy would stage a house and invite men to come over and, and the, the, his team would pose as an underage girl and you'd have people who drove like three, four, five hours from different states just to come and sleep with this young kid or this presumed uh, young kid. It's not far-fetched. I agree with this 100%. Let's, let's investigate this shit. Well, I don't think you can anymore. I don't think they're doing it anymore. 
One of the indiv- in, one of the individuals who Smith identified as a suspect was Gary Howard Olivia, who was arrested for quote two counts of attempted sexual exploita- exploitation of a child and one count of sexual exploitation exploitation of a child end quote. Charges in June 2016, according to Boulder's Daily Camera, Olivia, a registered sex offender, was publicly identified as, as a suspect in an October 2002 episode of 48 Hour Investigates. So let's 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 uh, let's let's uh, pin this motherfucker to the wall and let's let's see if he actually did it. I mean, if he didn't do it, he should still be in prison or dead since he did have exploitation of children. Anyone, and okay, and you can quote me on this. Anyone who hurts a child should be sentenced to death regardless. ASAP, number one, fast track, let's go. Anyone, anyone who, who hurts a child. The killing of John Bonet, the truth uncovered broadcast by AED on September 5th, 2016, concluded that an unidentified male was responsible for John Bonet's death based on forensic DNA analysis of evidence. In the documentary, Lawrence Komblonsky stated that, quote, an unidentified male committed this crime. Obviously, Let's find out who the unidentified male is. Let's get this shit done already. But of course, because it's a cold case file, nothing ever came true. The district attorney's office investigating pedophiles indicated to former Denver prosecutor Craig Silverman that the district attorney's office followed the intruder, intruder theory. The Ramseys developed a relationship with district attorney Mary Lacey and her office, which was criticized by authorities such as the city's mayor, Leslie L. Durgan. Silverman said, quote, once you have conceded the possibility of an intruder, I don't see how any Ramses could ever be, could ever be successfully prosecuted, end quote. You make friends with people who are investigating shit, people are going to start questioning and wondering, are they covering something up or are they trying to hide something themselves? I, I agree. I mean, hell. Gordon Coombs joined the office as an investigator under Lacey when they were testing John Bonet's clothing for touch DNA. He also said that Lacey strongly supported the intruder theory and talked about it with the staff. Although he was not directly involved with the case, he was told not to voice opposition to the theory because he might lose his job. What the fuck? Quote, it just seemed weird, the whole premise of this attempt to influence the entire agency. End quote, he stated. I don't want to talk about corruption, (laughs) but we're going to talk about corruption. How are you going to be told not to voice his opposition on the theory of the Ramses who committed the murder because you might lose your job? If that doesn't sound like corruption, then I don't know what sounds like corruption because that's pretty corrupt if you ask me. It's just weird. I mean, you're told, again, he, he said, and I quote, it just seemed weird, the whole premise of this attempt to influence the entire agency, end quote. So there was somebody there trying to trying to make it okay or make the theory of the intruder normal and completely take away any sort of suspicion from the parents. I still think the parents had something to do with it. I that I, I just I just feel like the parents had something to do with it. I don't I don't have any hard evidence. I wish I did, but I don't. They just it's just it's just super suspicious to me. Graveyard Grumbler's final wrap. Let's go ahead and wrap this up now. I mean, we're going on almost an hour, hour 20, maybe an hour 30 by the time I get all this done. John Benet Ramsey was buried at St. James Episcopal Cemetery in Merida, in Merida, Meridia, 
Georgia on December 31st. JonBenet was interred next to her half-sister, Elizabeth Pask Ramsey, who died in a car crash nearly five years earlier at age 22. Buried back home in Georgia with her, with her sister. Okay, cool. I just feel bad. I mean, now th- there was there was a someone who wrote a confession letter and was charged was never found to be the individual who actually committed the crime. It, this case is still unsolved. There's still unsolved murders for this. They try to blame somebody, but it just never stuck. Again, I don't want to say that the parents actually committed the murder, but then I'm saying what what I think a lot of people might understand or might might want to believe or might see as the truth is that maybe the parents had something to do with setting up the whole ordeal that left the child in harm's way. I mean, the door was unlocked. The door was unlocked and, 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 and the, the, whoever it was had, had access to, to the whole house. I mean, there was windows unlocked. There was a broken, okay, none of that was disturbed. Let's move past that. But the, what about the door? If the door was unlocked, that means that the intruder had full access and availability to the entire house. Okay, there was no fingerprints, Graveyard Crumbler. Okay, there's gloves. People use gloves. They can hide those things all the time. I don't think this case is ever going to be solved fully. I think there's still going to be controversy and there's still going to be questioning about this. It's just one of those shitty things that... that I, I just I just wish that it was solved that way. Now it has nothing to do with me wanting to know who actually did it. It's just 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 closure for for the Ramsey family, and even for for John Bonet herself. You know what I mean? It's just it's just it needs to be over with. Bottom line. It seems like it's just crazy that that I mean yeah I understand that adults become missing, but just a quick side note: there was a child back in the '90s by the name of Daisy Fuentes, I believe, or Daisy. I think it's called Daisy Fuentes. Back in Bakersfield, California, who was kidnapped in the '90s and still has not been found. If I'm if I'm wrong in the name, please let me know. All of my Bakersfield peeps out there, I, I think her name was Daisy Fuentes, a little kid. She was kidnapped at the age of six or nine in from Bakersfield and was never found up to this day. No evidence, no clues, no leads, no nothing. That. I don't want to admit that things are are kind of are are fishy and a little suspicious, but things are a little fishy and a little suspicious when it comes to the disappearance of kids. It's just odd how so many things aren't noticed or how things aren't found all of a sudden. Ah, oh, boy, I tell you, there's not much more that I can say on this case. I, I there there isn't much more, but I hope everything gets worked out. I mean, this this case was bizarre. This case was fishy. This case was long. I know this was a popular case. I know that, but again. I didn't know everything that happened in this case, and I didn't know what was happening during the case, and I didn't know what was happening after the case. Again, when I heard about the the disappearance or the murder of John Bonet, all I heard was that she was murdered and she was found inside her own house, and there was no suspects. That's all I. That's all I knew. I didn't know all the details about the the fucked up crime scene, the parents, how they never interviewed, and that how they thought it was an inside job. I didn't know any of that until just today. I just crazy. Well, hopefully everybody enjoyed the show. I, I just, I, there's not much more that I can comment on, on the final wrap. The final wrap is that it was a, it was a jacked up case. It was a jacked up ordeal and no kid should ever be exposed to that ever in their life. Not even abuse, but God damn. 
So announcements, uh, Patreon is up. Now we have, I did a, a kind of a rough release <laughs> last week. So now that, that it, we have a full month, I will be releasing a bunch of stories. If you're interested in joining the, the Patreon, it's $5. You get multiple stories twice a month release. Uh, there, uh, there's, uh, I'm still working on a bunch of stuff to, to accompany the Patreon. But right now I have two, I have stories, re- release dates two times a month. And it, it, I have one tier. There's no cheaper, no higher, more expensive price. All it is is just $5 a month to get some uh, extra creepy stories. Uh, other than that, there's nothing else to, to announce. So I appreciate everyone. My new listeners, welcome. Thank you for joining the shit show. And for my, my, uh, my loyal listeners, thank you very much for continuing listening to my shit show. <laughs> I appreciate each and every one of you. I really do. Thank you very, very much for keeping me motivated to continue this uh, podcast. As always, good morning, good day, good night, goodbye. This is the end, this is the end, this is the end. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Grumbler.